You're listening to episode 280 of the Major Issues Podcast. In it, we talk some more fantastic casting rumors, Super Mario's box office, and talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy game in preparation for Volume 3. The Major Issues Podcast starts right now! Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you each and every week by ComicBookClick.com, and thankfully, as always, I am never alone, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am the Galactics Galactic, Gregory Thomas, aka GT Rebirth. GT Rebirth is back, and it's been so long. It's been so, so, so long, and that's never going to get old or as old as Peggy Carter in that film. But it's been a while. I'm thankful that you are here in the booth. We're here to talk about Guardians because Guardians is coming out next week. Um, I hope you have been well. But before we get into all of the Guardian stuff, there's some scuttlebutt. Happening in the world of comic books and comic book media, I'd like to get your take on. Um, so let's let's cover some quick news. Mario has broken the billion dollar uh, cap for not only films but video game films. It's obviously, I think, I think right now it has to be the most successful video game film out. Um, mm-hmm. I still haven't seen it. Just life gets in the way. I'm trying not to have it spoiled, but I can't imagine there is too much to spoil. Have you seen this right. film? Is it surprising that it's hit a billion dollars? Um, I have not, and yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, I I intend to see it with the girlfriend, and she wanted to just wait till it was like on at home. Uh, it, it's just not many. There's not. We, we are those assholes. There's just not many reasons to go out and go to the theater sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we wait for things to come to the couch. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a nice TV. It's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I would not have expected the Super Mario Brothers to make it to a billion. It, 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 it has, it has all of the hallmarks to do it. It is a right. film that it is a film based off a. Beloved, the long-running IP, so it has accrued loyalties. Mm-hmm. It is a film that simultaneously speaks to children growing up with Mario and nostalgic Mario adults. Yes. Um, international. It, it is an international juggernaut because it is it is uh, an icon in both Japan and America, mm-hmm. and and it probably you know has its hoofs in several other countries as well. Yes, yes. You know, there, there, there were a lot of there are a lot of things that on paper were working for it. I did not expect it would have accrued the sort of critical support that would just lead people to keep showing up. I guess. I mean, you do a lot of work for Dirty Radio. Um, you've seen sometimes that the vocal minority is just that—a minority. Yes. Uh, you, we saw the the pitchforks that were led aflame with the idea that Chris Pratt was going to be playing Mario and voicing Mario. Now it's a yeah. billion dollar film, so <laughs> uh, it, it almost makes you think. It makes you think, you know. Um, they could have bent to the will the same way the Sonic guys did, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah. Pratt. Although, seems I think to the Sonic a, one was more of a visual thing. thing, and I think that's a big. I think that's an easier 
uh, I think that's an easier compromise to have made. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I have so, I am so inundated already to just like the idea that since Aladdin, this is how far back this goes. Since Aladdin, there's this idea that animated films need to have massive star names on them. Right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, we got Robin Williams and Robin Williams done changed the game, probably ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now it's like that, that, that's why our boy Yoki gets so messed up about some of these animated movies, right? Because they don't typically have the sort of audio di- di- direction that is pushing um, these actors to create a unique voice for these characters because they want you to know that it is yes. Rihanna. Yes, <laughs> right. That's more important than her playing the character. They want you to know it's yeah. Rihanna playing the character. Yeah, you totally. need to hear Rihanna when that squirrel talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, when those uh, when those emotions are playing their characters, you need to know that that emotion is this actor or that actor. I didn't actually watch it side out, but that's the first thing I thought of. No, uh, yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think Jack Black is basically being Jack Black <laughs> with Bowser. You know, he's kind of growling yeah, totally a little knows bit. Knows how more, to be, but... I think. Yeah, and then and when they get you, when you're at that level, when they get you, they're getting you for you. You know, uh, yeah. with with certain with a certain amount of these. Seth Seth Rogen, come on, you expecting Seth Rogen to put on a voice? They just want that voice. That's a, that's a, that's all it's ever been. He's um, having a hard time with the one he has. Yes. So yeah, that continues to to climb up the mountain. It's only their studios are only going to learn the worst lessons from it. You know, the same way for everything else, they're all going to be looking at this, and everyone's going to be looking for their video game franchise to uh, green light, uh, which could end up being. I'm in for Star Fox. Hey, I'm down for Star Fox. I'm down for some Kirby too. I would actually like a really cool Kirby movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, these... I, if I can get King DDD with this ridiculous hammer, I'm fine with it. Hey, bro, let's get it. These these adaptations are can be a gamble, even though they're adaptations, you know, unproven uh, products. They could be yeah. they could be downright terrible, or maybe even fantastic. And speaking of fantastic, oh. <laughs> I was gonna so, say, bro, what's I, going I, on? I, I, I would I would like to uh, make a point here because I. I listened to your last episode. Mm-hmm. I should. I, I pretty much work here. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a there was a big conversation about adaptations in that one, right? Yes. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff about you know what adaptations are cash grabs and which ones aren't. Right, um, right. And some of the stuff, like some of the movies that come up, I think are interesting in the sense that. I think it is harder to make these I think it is harder to make some of these more contemporary video game adaptations because they came with their own story. Right. It is harder to make an adaptation of the Tomb Raider game that already feels like a movie that you are playing. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to Super Mario Brothers, that didn't have much of a story, you just you stop on the Goomba, you save that princess from the monster thing. Yes, and you so just it, you just had to give these characters characters. So, wh- what would you say to like the original Tomb Raider franchise? Do you think that was someone trying to? Uh, I think that put was a good story on screen, or I think that was easier because I think that Tomb Raider didn't have much of a character to her. She was snarky okay. and a badass. Yeah. yeah, but like, what was going on in those games? 
she looks good in a tank top. Yeah. Didn't she fight yeah. dinosaurs at one point? I feel, I feel like I she remember did, yes. being her and fighting dinosaurs. In the first <laughs> game, you fight a dinosaur. Okay, inexplicably, <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, I was about to say, I distinctly remember that. Uh, yeah. With two revolvers, because that's exactly how you win. Bro, I still remember uh, that, uh, that like, courtyard training thing that you had to do in the beginning yes. of the game. <laughs> so, like, they got, to, they got to sort of... When it came to the Angelina Jolie movie, they were basing it off a Tomb Raider that they... They had so much room to just make shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas. Which, which we, is, I guess that, do you, would you say that that leeway adds a variable to possibly make it bad? Like, do you think that, that, uh, you know, you can still make more it bad, but you've you got, have... you can still make it bad, but you've got less room for expectation. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because when you really think about it, there's nothing to look forward to <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, you know, I will say look forward to. It. There's nothing to like expect, other than the 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 energy of the character. So I I feel like we're getting to this point then, where even if some of these future contemporary films are cash grabs, they will lean on very well written, genuine stories told yeah. in what could be perceived as the golden age of video game storytelling. Yes, um, the reason I don't, I don't want to say the reason because, like, obviously, look, uh, most of these movies have very good actors and and whatnot. The Last of Us is a series that has very good actors that stuck to the script they had to begin with. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's Watchmen. The few chances they had were, you know, in were mostly enhancing. Yeah, which is that's oh. that, that's what it's. That's what I always feel it's meant to be. Like the gutters in between panels, do something yeah. good. Don't just change stuff to change stuff. Because I feel like that's where you know things. That's usually where people um, veer off. There's a lot yes. of stuff that we we've, we've forgiven. That's not 100 percent to the lore, so long as it makes sense in the universe that they've crafted. But sometimes yeah. it feels like they want to be like, well, I want to put my spin on this. So they're left-handed now. You're like, what? <laughs> what does that contextually right. have to do with anything? And you know. I, I think that I think that makes a big deal when it comes to a lot of these adaptations. You you have to uh you just have to, I guess, either play the script you're given or like not do it. Because they yeah, so many of these have their own script. If we made a Star Fox movie now, there's a lot of expectations because it's got a story. Yeah. There's already. More. You know. And and there's those characters have a personality that we've already we've already crafted. So you either give us the personality we know about, or it's not the it's not the thing, right? You know, uh, Metroid is a little different. Metroid didn't have much of a personality; it was a two D sprite on the screen. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of room to make stuff up there, and that's where, like, you know, if you take this theory and and run it, you know, long ways, that's why I guess comic book fans are so passionate because. There is so much dense lore there that sometimes yeah. it almost makes no sense to make something new because and there's the, yeah. the new stories are piling up every every year. You know, they have to they've been writing these comics bi monthly for decades. And so it's like, well, I've got a new take on it. It's like, no, 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 no. There's takes that worked. Go over there into the uh, to the shelf. And I which is kind of like what James Gunn is doing, right? Going over to the shelf, being like, I'm gonna take this one and I'm gonna take this one. Yeah. And I'm gonna take this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy is an anomaly that way. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's 
It's really hard because I, I may be slanderous in saying I don't think Marvel has great games. I think Spider-Man's amazing. I think Spider-Man yeah. is absolutely top tier. Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, is top tier. Um, Avengers, we've t- spoken off air about <laughs> my feelings on that. I feel like M- MVC is mostly carried by Capcom. And the, when Marvel became more popular uh, you know, globally, we got the worst version of Marvel vs. Capcom. <laughs> So, I, you know, I, I just feel like Marvel's not hitting uh, the video game stuff like that until this game. But I got to get your take. That's it, People that's are it. going bonkers about rumored Fantastic Forecastings. Yes, I've heard yes. all kinds of stuff. Adam Driver, we spoke about last week uh, mm-hmm. with Yogi. It seems to be a lock for now. How do you feel about Driver as, as Reed? Um... Visually speaking, I think I'll have to see him. I keep, I, I, I have uh, my, my image of Adam Driver is with that hairstyle, and it, it does not work. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have to see what the cut looks like. Yes, and, you know, and, and give him the uh, the old uh, the white stripes as he, as it were. Beard or no beard? Beard. Um, okay. <laughs> beard. I'm 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 biased. The book, the only Fantastic Four story I have read front to back is Beard. That's yes. the read. I like. that, that's actually going to be one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You know, Go we talk it. about we talk about um, th- we were just talking about the golden age of storytelling when it came to video games. I would think the golden age of modern Fantastic Four storytelling has to be that Hickman run, that yes. famed Jonathan Hickman run, that crazy, crazy stuff. Is is that the obvious choice here to adapt or is it do you think it's safer to go more the tried and true 60s you know um version that we've known you know i'm not sure on that one because i don't know what this i couldn't even tell you what the old 60s fantastic four is like i think yeah i think there's something and obviously this is this is dependent on what the quote origin of these people are right. um, um and i'll get to that in a moment too actually i think this is highly dependent on um who the characters are and are we talking about like keeping them as the 60s family or are we talking about two old people trying to um <laughs> Well, may not not even two. We're talking about four old people trying to connect with this new modern world that they haven't seen before. Oh, you mean like actually from the sixties? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't know, I don't know if they were actually from the sixties and that they were stuck in a time loop or some bullshit, right. <laughs> or, or um, or if they're just like old. I don't know if you can get away with contemporary people being that old fashioned. Yes. Yeah, golly G Willikers and all that and all that. Yeah, stuff. Twenty three Skadoo. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, Margot Robbie's being rumored as Sue Storm, but another rumor going around was Mila Kunis. And then at one point, Mila Kunis was rumored for the thing. Did you see? Yeah, catch all I don't that? know what that. I did, and I was like, I don't know what you people are doing here. Does Kunis or uh, Robbie? Uh, you know, float your boat, Asu. Um, I'm kind of down with with Marco Robbie as Sue Storm. Uh, 
Uh, I know in the conversation we had about it, Yogi says she doesn't have that like motherly appeal because he can't not see her as hot woman. I it's really hard for me to see her as anything but Harley, and I've seen her in other things. I've seen her in other things, even in Barbie. She just feels like a cleaned up, rehabilitated (laughs) Harley. I think Uh, of Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty early on in her career. Yeah, uh, you know her, her her major blockbuster career. Um, I I need someone who's able to sternly tell Doom or Namor off. You know, sure. And, I, you know, I um <laughs> the way I think about it is I I don't even think of Doom or Namor. I I think of somebody who can just put her husband in his place. You're right. Yeah. And I think if that dynamic works, everything else works. Yeah, you have one Sue previous characterization that's just like, why won't he pay attention to me? And then there's another <laughs> Sue that's like, you better not go into that lab. We have kids out here, <laughs> and they have homework. And yeah. find out. Go ahead, Reed. Find out. See what happens. And then there's another the Sue. And then there's another Sue who just rebels and cuts a four into her chest. Yeah, I was about to say that I can see Margot <laughs> Robbie in in, in ninety Sue. I can totally. Hey, let's get it. Uh, the last rumored casting was Paul Mescal as Johnny Storm. Sadly, I am not familiar with this gentleman. I am not I, either. I I do not know the gentleman. I know he got to be in. He's going to be in a new Gladiator movie. He rose to fame in with his role in the miniseries Normal People. Which is in 2020. I haven't seen anything else this gentleman's been in, um, and there's seemingly still nothing for Thing. But I think Thing is like that's like the last person you cast. Just give him the accent, though. I need and I want one just like in the comics who's constantly yelling about the Yancey Street hooligans <laughs> that we never <laughs> see. I always uh, love that he's always shaking his fist. He's like the damn Yankee Yancey Street gangs at it again. And like, right. What's going on, thing? Don't don't worry about it, bro. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to care about who gets casted as the thing when you know you won't physically see him most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I also like this is gonna sound pompous, but we are a very long ways. Fifteen years into the MCU at this point. Uh, like, yes. Yeah, I like it. This is not gonna be nothing to me until I see it. And, and even then, what if they all die? You understand? Like, none of this stuff sticks. So I'm still, I'm still a bit, you know, like, I, it's not, I'm not, my arms aren't crossed, you know? But it's just like, I want to see the whole thing. I want to see the whole thing. Um, the whole thing. The whole thing, man. Show me the whole thing. Uh, and I, obviously news and stuff like that will, will spill out uh, the closer that we get there. Um, let me so, see if I have... Go ahead, brother. I'll... I'll, 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 I'll once again jump off something you guys talked about uh last yeah. week with this one um i remember something that really interested me when it came to like uh the idea of, uh, it, i guess just genuine you guys had a discussion genuinely just about the idea of sequels yeah and it reminded me of stuff that's going on with the mcu where i think we've had i think I think as a fan base, maybe not even just about the MCU, but maybe in other things, but I think as a fan base, especially when it comes to established characters, we've had a bit of a blowback over anything, over things that seem to be about, quote, the origin. Okay. And I think that's why the sequel is so, um, 
uh so like parroted for for lack of, for want of a better term okay. i think i think there is a i think the the um i'm doing a lot of thinking i believe the <laughs> appetite i believe the appetite is for stories about people being the version of themselves that they signed up for not becoming it right so when so when like when that story ends and people were just like okay great when's the next one i'm like why do you like why is there a next one i was like well that right. whole thing was yeah. you know uh an an hour and a half of someone becoming the thing and then three thirty minutes of them being the thing which is what we wanted and it's like well that story is told like okay but be the <laughs> you, know, you know what ki- what kind of gave me blue balls for three movies similarly the mcu what? spider-man series because that's oh, what it feels yeah. like it constantly feels like he's oh he's almost there Oh, he's almost by himself, saving, you know, saving one of the, uh, uh, right. set back, set back. Everyone knows he's Peter Parker, you know, set back, set back, set back. Right. Um, and now, now think about it. Think about how the last one ended. Now you're like, okay, now he's Spider-Man for the other eight appearances in the MCU. <laughs> What's going on here? Um, but so yeah. I, I I think there's something to that that like they want, and I believe that's why you sort of for a long time there or for a while they you've had this, um, how do I put it, this uh, th- this move they've made, this strategy where we just stick the origins in other things, so that yeah. the movie we make is about them being the thing. Yeah, you know. I, the origin I, for the Black Panther was in Captain America. Right. And a, a bit of that origin was in, uh, for Spidey was there as well. You know, at yeah. least, you know, part, the parts you had to know, the, the, the clip notes version, I guess I would yeah. say. <laughs> and yeah, I, I can totally see them doing that. I, I always think of Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight cannot be what it is without all the foundation set in Batman Begins. Sometimes that makes Batman Begins a drier film than The Dark Knight a bit because it has to do the homework of setting up Mm -hmm. absolutely everything. But you cannot get the jumping off point of The Dark Knight without the homework done in in Batman Begins. Your parents' death was such a fault. It was your father's. (laughs) You son of a bitch! He was so fucking pissed. He was not not having it past that. Uh, My last thing before we get into this game, how did you feel about the Sweet Tooth trailer? Were you a Sweet Tooth Is that what we're calling it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Sweet Tooth did drop season two on Netflix, (laughs) but I meant more so the... Twisted Metal trailer with Sweet Tooth in it, played by my man Samoan Joey. So, I'll, I'll say this. There was it was some Joey. Good lord. Uh, <laughs> Joey I'll say Samoan. this. There obviously wasn't much to it. I will say that it had a certain energy going for it. And then when Steal My Sunshine by Len played, I thought, oh, is this the film we're going? Is this the right. show you are? Yeah. So I'm like, now I'm wondering what kind of show it is. It's cool to see Maggie having... in the front, front and center, though. You know? You do, yes. And that's very cool. Um, I'm always in for, like, Stephanie Beatrice, too. So I'm glad she's got some work. Is she, it confirmed who she might be playing? I have no clue. I'll look it up right now, actually. Okay. Um, it's, so, it's, like... it's considered a comedy series. 
Which I think is the best direction to go with Twisted Metal. There's nothing you shouldn't take it seriously. It's an an action comedy series. I I I don't think you should take Twisted Metal seriously at all. It is dumb. It is so dumb. Yeah. So, speaking of Spider Man, Spider Man alumni, um, Thomas Hayden Church is also in this. Yeah, and Joe is playing Sweet Tooth, but Will Arnett's playing the voice. Yes, because like Joe's under the the clown mask, so Joe's the physical. Manifestation. Right. Huh. I knew it had to end oh with... Oh, God, they have Nev Campbell. Oh, dear I, I, I knew it had to end with a Sweet Tooth something. Come on. Of Come course. on, man. That, 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 that is, is the icon. Yeah, that's, that's, the all, that's the only thing people really know about it. Like, literally, this show could have been yeah. anything, but if you would have said there's no Sweet Tooth in it, people wouldn't have watched it. Nothing. They only need Done. the confirmation of Sweet Done. Tooth. There, there, there are little things... That it, that imprint on people in a way that is undeniable. If you were to, if you were to make a movie about Tony Hawk's life, and it, it better have Superman by Goldfinger. Yes, yes, it, it, it does. <laughs> um, is it? I mean, now this is a deep cut. I actually thought when he turned on the radio, it was going to be "Worlds Collide" by Power Man Five Thousand. <laughs> that, that was the song that always I, played every time I played the game. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't have a great memory for the music that played through it. That's it. That's I, all I, I got. It. <laughs> I haven't played it in decades. But right. I, I was expecting something along that route. I was expecting something like heavy and metal and just like blood pumping and then steal my sunshine. I was just like, oh, okay. I think I like this better. I mean, it's ba- it's just death race. Like it's it's basically the same yeah. the same concept. But I think I think it's I think it's I think you need to have a sense of humor about it. I want the I hope they do the backstories, I Calypso and all that kind of stuff, and how he always gets them in the end. Like no matter what you wish for, at the end it always turns around. It's a monkey paw kind of situation. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I like that. And and if they do it that way, you could do the series for ten years if you wanted to. It's anth- anthology, new racers, new stories. Uh, all for the same ending, you know. So, yeah, good work um, on that adaptation there. Hopefully, I don't course. know who these people are. Um, Thomas Hayden Church plays an Agent Stone. Um, I don't know who that is. Quiet sounds familiar, but I think there was like okay, a silencer. <laughs> Maybe. And Richard Cabral Cabral is playing a character called Loud. Um, oh yeah, wait, wait. So that just might be like a weird. Mossy Menos kind of situation there. You get me? What's that? Um, it could be a weird uh, like Hazel and Cha Cha, like a like a loud and quiet. Like it could be oh. like a weird because I don't. I, now I'm looking now. I, I'm not seeing any character named Quiet in the Twisted Metal franchise. So me either. Um, so I think it's like a it, they're supposed to be like a play on each other, loud and quiet. The question I was also going to ask is, and I'm I'm now getting confirmation as I look at pictures. Will Joe's head catch fire? <laughs> <laughs> is it a mask with a fire head, or is it on? I don't know. His head seemingly is perpetually on fire. <laughs> okay, um, so like on real fire. On real fire. I don't know then. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> okay, wait. So it says his first appearance in the original uh, Twisted Metal was seen lacking his original flaming hair, and he's more tame. And then I guess in the second one, he gets the fire. Okay, so. That's what we'll be looking Maybe. for. That's a post credit. I am, I am not a Twisted Metal aficionado. I, I that is for other people. <laughs> I don't think Twisted Metal has aficionados. <laughs> but right, 
but write in if that's your if twisted metal is your jam write in yeah write in because i want to hear i want to hear your twisted story i i want to know i want to know who is really up on their twisted metal lore they get with their arms crossed they're watching this whole trailer like this that's not even the guns they use this is ridiculous <laughs> That look that's truck even, is all wrong. That, that, yeah, that's, the, that's not even the model of ice cream truck that he's using over there. That's ridiculous. Um, all right. But adaptations aside, let's talk about a damn good one, man. Uh, yes. Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game. It's only two years old. Uh, developed by um, Eidos Montreal and published by Square Enix. I think it's Eidos. I like your way. Eidos Montreal. <laughs> he's like, that's easy to say. Um, it's about the Guardians of the Galaxy, who were, you know, they're based on the Marvel's comics characters, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's set in its own yes. original universe with its own ca- canon. In mm-hmm. the game, the titular team, while attempting to capture a beast for a wealthy collector, accidentally unleash an, a seemingly harmless being, inadvertently setting in motion a series of catastro- uh, catastrophic mm-hmm. events that threaten the peace of the universe. Um... So I have made some notes about this story. We'll talk through it. It's full spoilers, people. Um, uh, I'll get us through the plot so we can talk more candidly about some of the moments, the themes, and some of the stuff in it. But if you haven't played the game and you don't want to be spoiled, here's your chance to jump off the boat, hopefully with a life preserver, because we are going to get deep into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game. So... Uh, the game opens up at the old Quill House, and you start as young Peter blasting Star Lord. The beginning of it. This is it. This is it, bro. The, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I want to talk about. The in-game music, man. This is my favorite <laughs> fake album of all <laughs> fake albums. This better is better than um, like what was it, the Monkees or that song from? Oh, oh, bro. There's a, there's a litany. I have a bunch. I have you know the song that was in Teen Titans Go that they remixed eighteen times. You know, I, I love music made for Is that Night Begins stuff. to Shine? Yes, Night Begins to Shine. I have three versions saved on my phone. Um, I, so, I, I remember you playing that for us and then we being disappointed it didn't get referenced in the movie. I, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, a, bit, I was a bit down because it is their song. So I'm playing this game and again, I'm like, they don't need a fake band in this he could have just been star lord it would you know like it, i was already bringing in yeah. my information from and they've the, from already the spent a, they've already spent a significant amount of money on licensed music yeah you got joan jet you got twisted sister you got a bunch of stuff um i think it's tears for fears yes i believe tears for fears is also in there um gosh the guys who sing cars because cars is in there as well <laughs> uh but I love all the songs in here. I know the words to zero, zero to hero. I think it's called. Yeah. <laughs> zero to hero. Darkness inside. Um, mm-hmm. a, a bit of good. A bit of bad. Like, <laughs> and that's straight from the first movie. The line at yeah. the end. A little bit of good. A little bit of bad. Maybe both. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game has an amazing faux 80s um rock band in it uh i thought that they were absolutely terrific the music design was done by um i just uh, had i can say no guts no glory is probably the one i remember soon no guts no glory is great i like darkness inside and then i like ghost because ghost was their ballad and i think go- either ghost or darkness inside 
starts off with wind chimes, which is the quintessential 80s ballad. The first thing you hear in the <laughs> 80s ballad is wind chimes. So I'm like, yo, these guys have done their homework. Every cheesy, the cliche, 80s rock thing is done in this. I think the big one for them is Ghost, because I think Ghost gets two versions. Ghost got an acapella. And when it did yeah. that, I said, that is amazing, bro. <laughs> so amazing. It takes care to parody something well, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. think parody can be extremely smart if it's done well. Because if it's done well, it's almost indistinguishable. If it's done yeah. to the T, almost downright indistinguishable. I remember in The Boys, uh, when Translucent died, they made a fake prayer song, like praise song that Starlight <laughs> sings. And it's like yeah. legitimately like every song I've ever heard going to like a Protestant service where they've made original music. It's it's the same melody. It's the same sort of percussions, all that stuff. And it just shows how much um, quality control was done with the music in this. Um what do you think about adding an entire fake band, entire fake thing, or they think they could have just coasted on the um, original music that they, or the licensed music they already had? Uh, they obviously could have. I, I liked it the moment I understood that the fake band was the basis for his silly space nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it was something, it's something that means something very different to him but has no reference across the galaxy so there's like there's just this idiot who calls himself star lord <laughs> right right in the movies it was that his father gave him that name right my little star lord she writes on the I end think of the her, mother like did? a letter yeah yeah i thought i i, I, I always sense. remember that the mom did you you're i mean you're a uh comics fan we we're just talking about adaptations where do you sit if gun to your head is the father ego is the father Jason. Um, that's interesting. I <laughs> it's um, big. It's, it's big. It's a big question because we go into the, if you go into this with your knowledge of the MCU, you get educated to the actual origin of Star Lord in the comics. Yes. Um, although only briefly. Yes. You know, the first one I knew about was ego. The second one I knew about was Jason. Mm-hmm. But because there's just so much more there, I prefer the Jason angle. Okay. Yeah. Other than Star Lord is cosmic super be- is half cosmic super being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which doesn't last very long. Right, because it feels as if the MCU Star Lord is looking for a family. Whereas comic Star Lord yes. kinda isn't. Right, like he he doesn't no. mind having a team or a family, but he's he loves what he's doing out there, you know, in these yes. kids. Where I feel like we have almost a more Arrested Development Star Lord because he hasn't, you know, been able to sort of, you know, uh, oh with god, now I like now him. I have to see Star Lord as Joe. <laughs> That's hilarious, Arrested Development. Yeah, um, I wanted to just name her here, Steve. Gosh, Zepa Zep. Steve, this is how he spells. <laughs> this is how he spells his last name, bro. S Z C Z. So that's the first four letters. S Z C Z E P Kowski. Hmm. That guy's great. I just want—he's the audio director. I just want him to know. Sorry, 
but you're great. I just can't say the last name. And then Richard Jacquees, who um, was also a composer, and he's known for doing all. He's done Jet Set Radio. He's done James Bond, 007, Sonic R, Headhunter, uh, Mass Effect. Uh, so he has his bona fide. So I just wanted to name those people there. Oh, Mass Effect. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you start up at 13-year-old Star-Lord. It's your 13th birthday. Your mom comes upstairs, checks on you to invite you downstairs for cake. Suddenly, <laughs> you hear a voice calling your name, and it's Drax the Destroyer. You wake up as an adult Peter on board your Milano spaceship. I like that it was still that. I don't know if his spaceships are named in the comic. Yes. Same, similarly, I believe I believe it is still the Milano. Interesting. Okay. Um, After his undying love for Alyssa Milano, uh, who's the boss, right? Um, I think would have been what I think if, that he saw her. That he yeah. What when would he have seen her? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know her career other than Charred for the most part. <laughs> So yeah, 1984, she was in Who's the Boss for eight seasons. Okay. Um, so that's where I'm thinking. That's where I'm thinking. Is, that, is 84 when he gets kidnapped? I. That sounds right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Child of the 80s. That sounds right. Um, so. Yeah, you wake up. On the Milano. Well, I, I was going to say, for eight oh, seasons, it one of those... No, I was going to say, for eight seasons, yeah, one of those years would be the one he saw her. Yeah, right? he got that, impressed. That would have been yeah. the job. Yeah. And I think she was probably in. around his age on that show. Probably. So that makes sense. Um, so... Yeah, you're on the ship. You get to meet the rest of the Guardians, Gamora, uh, um, a sentient tree named Groot, a tech genius, Rocket, the raccoon, and the aforementioned Drax. Uh, you grab your weapons and coat and head out of your room. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the designs of these characters? They hinge between uh, the MCU and the comic versions. I think Star Lord is the most is the most in between because I think he looks completely different in the comics than he does in the MCU. So they've kind of found the middle ground here. Drax is more comics, uh, you know, group more MCU. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you the moment I thought like, oh, I think we'll have. Um, I think we're going to have something good with this game mm-hmm. is I had just heard about the game. Well, not like the, the it seemed like the announcement or the, the beginning of the ad campaign was only months before the game released. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which has to do with much different reasons than usual for reasons we might get into about certain other video games being a bit wonky. Um, yeah. I remember, like, okay, I'm going to look this game up. And I remember Dan Abnett talking about it. And Abnett was very clear to say that this isn't like the MCU Guardians. It also isn't the comic book Guardians. It's a little bit of all the all the best stuff of all of them with, you know, an original spin that we tossed in on it. Yeah. Like, that was the most interesting part of it, I thought. That was the part where I was like, okay, I'm very interested to see where they go with this. Because um, I thought that was that's the right stance to take. Yeah. You know, and we're making a video game. Here's the really popular stuff from the movies. Here is the bedrock stuff from the comic books. Let's use all of it. Yeah. I I agree. And you almost get, you know, to have your cake and eat it too. Right? Yeah. You get to bring in the parts that you like and, you know, discard the parts that you don't. Um I thought 
it Star Lord took a while to grow on me. The 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 hairstyle was a <laughs> was a bit. The hairstyle's a little a little much. The, the hairstyle uh, was a little much. You know, I I, thought, I get that I, the hair comes out of the helmet, you know, kind of stuff. But yeah, I thought it was a little much. I thought that the actual design of the jacket could have been better. Yeah, a bit, a bit. The helmet's a little not great. It's a little bit um, uh, goggly. <laughs> the Star Lord helmet. It's a little goggly. Um, Drax is interesting to me because Drax very much looks like his comic book character, but his physical mannerisms are Batista. Yes, 100%. Even like his, he does even that his thing delivery. He puts his hands on his waist and I'm just like, that's Batista. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the movie. Yeah, even his delivery. Um, I've got to... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about to look it up because you could have told me that it was freaking what's-his-face uh, Bradley Cooper playing Rocket. Yeah, like, that guy's really I thought good. Rocket <laughs> nailed Rocket. I was saying, like, that's freaking... That's great. Um, really, really killed it there. Um, I like it, and I, I like his, his goatee. Alex Weiner. I like his. I like Rocket's like beard. Oh, that that little braided. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it. Um, I'm not getting a cast of characters here. Uh, oh, John McLaren plays Peter Quill. Kimberly Sue Murray plays Gamora. Jason Cavalier, that's a great name, plays Drax. Alex Weiner, not a great name. Plays Rocket and Robert Weiner. I was trying to. I was being. Uh, is it Weiner? <laughs> no, I don't know what it is, but I was being. You know, I, I was. I was hoping for the yes. best. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Matt Calm plays Groot. Matt Calm had one thousand six hundred thirty lines in the game, all of which were, <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> I'm just putting it at. Putting I like the version of it. I like the version of it in um, the movie where they say. That Vin Diesel has real lines in front of them, and he has yes. to choose to say "I am Groot" in a way that conveys what he wants to say. Yeah, yeah. It could be like, "But, but don't go. I'll miss you." That's what it says on the paper. He's like, "But I am, I Groot. am Groot." <laughs> Basically, oh man, he's showing he's showing up to the to the red carpets. I usually don't see his ass there. He has oh, like does, a does he not? Yeah, it's like a Groot inspired suit. It was like a looked like kind of like wood and had like little branches and stuff coming out of it, little vines. Okay, I was like, hey, that those films uh, funded the fast, <laughs> fast <laughs> franchise. So, um, what's funny is that when we come in on this team, Drax doesn't trust Gamora because she's Thanos' daughter. So the entire time he's calling her like the betrayer <laughs> or the like he's a bit more curt than our Drax. Like he's downright hurtful on occasions. Yeah. He doesn't he does not care. He has no social uh, no social qualms. Uh, Gamora proves that she's on our side though. She gets us to the quarantine zone where we do our best to capture a monster uh, after some hijinks and heroics. Um, turns out the monster is a space llama. Uh, the problem is they thought it was going to be a big fearsome monster that they could uh, kind of bargain with Paddle. a monster queen. Were you familiar oh, yes. with this lady hellbender? I was not. This? Me either. No. Uh, um, but um, yeah. Due to her attire, you become very familiar with her quite quickly. Yes, and due to her flirtation with Drax, her constant, <laughs> uh, her constant flirtation with Drax. So she was a character created in 2015 for Totally Awesome Hulk. Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's an interesting. Uh, uh, that is an interesting debut for a character to end up in this Guardians game. Yeah. Uh, I get. I'm, I have a feeling a lot of those totally awesome characters had to find homes <laughs> for a while. <laughs> that's, another, that's a whole other story for another day. 
Um, uh, when they see a space whale worthy of turning, I'm looking in, at it now, and it's actually a very good one to one, like yeah. Um, how do you say uh, adaptation from comic books to game? I think so. Um, so they see a big ass space whale, and they're like, "Oh, well, let's capture that then and give it to her." Um, but it gets attacked by a mysterious pulsating energy ball. The collateral damage causes several explosions, but the Guardians escape with the llama. Unfortunately, our heroes are confronted by the Kree in the form of Captain Corel, who attempts to arrest him for trespassing in the most restricted sector of space, but Quill hangs up on her. He then reveals that they have a romantic history as he is escorted aboard the Kree ship. Um, I like that the Kree have them written down as the gardeners of the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a running gag with this series, right? Just like not having the names completely right. And it always works for me. I don't know why. It it adds to the moniker of ragtag. Like they don't even have a good reputation. Like they don't have names that even out there like that. I kept kept expecting to hear, um, uh, what's his name? John something, I think. The actor from um, Step Brothers. Oh, yeah. John C. Riley. Yes, but uh, I almost called him John C. McGinley, who I like, but it's a completely different actor. He's like, uh, in his words, not a dick or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The person in charge of processing prisoners um, is a Nova Corps cadet, Nikki Gold, who has visible disdain for the group. And we are shown the grand unifier, Raker, who leads the church of... The, the Universal Church of Truth, who they say they found floating around in the quarantine zone. We get a hint that Nikki's mom is Corel and it is eventually confirmed, although we don't know who her father is. Mm-hmm. We find out that Nikki is clever and curious and a bit rebellious. Um, because of what they've done, they are ultimately fined by the Nova Corps. Uh, Peter is able to get them some time to make this money. Uh, he pep talks everybody because they're all upset about it and they decide what they're going to do is they're going to try to sell Groot for money, pretend to sell him as a monster for money and Mm -hmm. then um, renege, take him back. That's the plan. They're going to go to Lady Hellbenders and sell one of them. Now, I did my notes based on a somebody else's playthrough and so I always stuck with trying to sell Groot. Did you ever waver? Did you end up Uh, choosing um, to sell Rocket? Because that's another option. I I chose to sell Rocket. Yeah, because Rocket's because too, totally down to do it. He's like, nah, don't do. He is. My 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 thing is on my playthrough, and this is this this game is so. This is one of the beauties of the game. The game is so like developed with personality, and yeah. and personalities that seem to have an effect on your playthrough. Now, so you were ready to kick his ass out of the. Were you ready to kick him out of the ship? Uh, well, guess that there's one thing that the Rocket character does that leads to a decision I made later. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Which leads to some other things, oh, but you you threw him. I did. <laughs> you threw his ass. <laughs> I did. Let me tell you exactly why I threw him. There is a period before that happens, right? Where, uh-huh. um, the the thing about the game is apparently these people recorded thousands or hundreds of hours of lines, yes. just idle banter lines, which is some of the greatest stuff ever for like the the Guardian really characters. Cool. Yeah, it's really so good. if you're doing the thing where you're exploring or you're just looking to make sure there's no like other place to look to get hidden chests or whatnot because you know you want the MCU costumes or something from the Damn comics, right. <laughs> you know exactly. There's a lot of idle banter going on in these places. Mm-hmm. One of them ends up being that you are with Rocket 
and Rocket just calls you over, like whispers and pulls you to the side. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he wants to tell you something. Like, okay, like what, what, what's up? And he's like, I, I got a secret for you. I'm dying, Quill. Like, what? <laughs> and he just goes into this like emotional thing. Like, he's not ready to tell Groot about it, and he's worried, <laughs> but he needs fuck? to talk to somebody. And like, oh, he doesn't no. know how much longer he has, but he's dying. <laughs> And then he just starts laughing at you. He's like, you wow. actually bought it. You st-. They're like, so when the bridge came, I'm like, you now. Yeah, I yeet. <laughs> you yeeted. <laughs> you yeeted Rocket across the screen. Um, I am impressed by the myriad of fake curses they've given that animal. He has, <laughs> bro, I'm watching the thing. I'm just cracking up Flark and this and Scut. That and whatever, whatever, a bunch of scup muddlers or whatever. Yeah, he just be talking all kinds of crazy. Um, one of the things that works for me, you were talking about like the the dialogue in this. Every so often in this game, while you're doing combat, you have a huddle up moment where you bring <laughs> in the characters and you give them you you get to pick what words are used but you give them a pep talk and based on how well you did the pep talk they will be energized to then go into battle etc and so forth yes um and that better play yeah and like i almost you would have to be made of stone to not be energized by that you know what i'm saying like yeah. that by the talk which literally like you you huddle up and everything around you disappears you only see your teammates and they're yes. all looking at you and nodding their heads as you as you're giving this speech about how like we never yeah. give up and we've always been and, outlawed. And they're, they're they're expressing whatever their emotions are, so you need to know the right thing to say based on what they've told you. Yeah, because at one point they could come up to you and be like, We can't do it, we're, we're outnumbered. And there'll be a choice of saying like it doesn't matter the odds, or a choice of being like, Stop complaining. And if you say stop yeah. complaining, like who the hell was complaining? And they'll be mad at you and they walk away. Right. <laughs> um but that really the 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 team building stuff like that and the choose your own adventure stuff made me feel like i was playing my story not just the mm-hmm. game's story it gives you a level of ownership that makes this the playthrough incredibly rewarding because you feel yeah. like you're making a unique path even though there's only so many right um mm-hmm. so i i thought that like you were saying like that was really really cool um yeah so to your point, I chose right. I chose Rocket because <laughs> I, I I chose to sell Rocket because now I'm just thinking if like if I if I choose to sell Groot, Rocket's vindictive, spiteful behavior is somehow going to screw me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I chose Groot because I felt like he would have the least amount of trouble getting out if he had to get out himself. <laughs> I was like, right. if I can't get you out, bro, I know you could get you out. So I'm gonna send you. So I'm watching the playthrough of when you choose Rocket and he flips out because they don't think that he's a monster and starts shooting and it becomes a big ass catastrophe. In my version, I think they just take Groot. Yeah, I think they just take Groot and you have to break him out later or something like that. But yeah, um, they attempt to trick. Oh, wait, wait sorry. Um, they, they're still en route to, to Lady Hellbinder's castle. They get, to, you know, they get en route to Lady Hellbinder's castle, Hellbender's castle. We flash back to young Star-Lord and him blowing out his birthday candles before arguing with his mom about wanting to see a film. She eventually agrees uh, while also gifting him something else she says is from his father. We return to Hellbender's castle before we see what it is. Um... They try to trick Lady Hellbender into buying a monster and stealing the credits. She figures out it's a ploy. 
And then we get a cameo, like the most like rewarding cameo I've ever seen because I've never heard of this character before first seeing it. Dweller in the Darkness shows up straight from Shang-Chi. 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 And I was like, oh, I know you now. I didn't know you <laughs> before I saw that movie, but I know you now. I know you, Dweller in the Darkness. Um, so, you know, that shows up. You, they manage to defeat the beast and they venture to a Nova Corps outpost because now they have their money. They've stolen the money. Mm-hmm. When they arrive, there are no members of the Corps to be found. Turns out the Grand Unifier Raker of the Universal Church of Truth has been using his powers to influence and brainwash members of the Nova Corps. They free the Milano and they head to nowhere in hopes of finding help for the Nova Corps. And once they get there, they bump into the precocious and mysterious Mantis, who seemingly has a vision of the future, but doesn't tell our heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Nowhere's still ahead of a Celestial. Um, mm. The game actually gives us a bit of insight that we get, I think, a little bit of also in the holiday special, where the reason why Nowhere was chosen as an outpost in general is because the... Is it the brain fluid of Celestials or something like that? It's extremely rare. Right. The inner inner goo. <laughs> the, 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 the whatever's in the skull is, is Just extremely mining. rare. Right. And I think that they're doing something similar in post-Endgame Guardians world. Because okay. they're on nowhere in the holiday special. Um, yes. And they're using that as a bit of an outpost. Um, Peter looks for Cosmo, the head of security on Nowhere, but bumps into an altercation with some assassins sent by Lady Hellbender. Uh, That causes him to have another flashback to opening his birthday present with his mom. The gift turns out to be the element guns that he's known for, left behind by his dad, who was a king from another planet. She says his people were at war, so he left his family so as not to bring the war home. She warns that something is coming, and she feels like they are being watched, and suddenly their house is surrounded by Chitauri ships. Peter's mom does her best to protect her son, but she is fatally shot by the Chitari, the invading Chitari, and Peter is kidnapped by them. What do you think about this scene here? Of like basically like a quick, here's your entire origin. Oh, <laughs> they got, got me. Oh no. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, I, I thought it was. Uh, I didn't expect to sort of see the mother like like gung ho, like I'm going to fight off these aliens. Yeah, like I, I like, yeah, with like shocker. You ma'am. are not taking my son. I was like, yeah, you, you're 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 a tad outgunned. I think those ships have weapons on them, man. <laughs> Every ship has seven hundred weapons on them. You coming out here with your shotgun? It's not gonna help. Um, it's a hell of a scene seeing her cover her blood-soaked wound as he gets pulled away <laughs> by yeah. aliens. You know, and she has a hell of a nineties, eighties uh, do. I oh, will say God, that as well. Hair. Oh my god, it is he has so much of, of it. <laughs> there is a lot of it. Voluminous. There's a lot of it, man. I can see why uh, Jason, <laughs> why he stopped by Earth. So, um, adult Peter wakes up in a prison cell on Nowhere, along with the rest of his team and his assailants as well. He eventually gets an audience with the telepathic space dog Cosmo and tells Cosmo of the weird finding of the Nova Corps outpost. And, um... Uh, Cos- Cosmo says that the rock is translating a strange signal not that the rock but <laughs> their, their actual uh, headquarters the rock 
and they uh he, they blame the universal church of truth cosmo says that the church has fallen ever since their golden god disappeared but he's mm. aware of another nova ship with a similar transmission he makes a deal with the guardians for them to investigate where the signal came from by checking out corel's ship and in turn cosmo will convince the world mind to forgive their fine he gets them transported via the most trippy <laughs> way to go across the galaxy the continuum cortex which can teleport its users virtually anywhere even other realities what did you think about this hand holding <laughs> method of transport and what did you think about their little tease of other universes um I, uh, the hand is funny to me because i always think of the hand from like super smash brothers <laughs> or like <laughs> smashing them or like there's a there's a weird thing in the old um in the very first like Star Trek show where like they get they get trapped on this planet so to speak and like their ship can't move because there's a giant hand pinching it in place <laughs> that's a hilarious visual television does stupid things with giant hands yes it does I also first thought of um the or like the origin of the DC universe I was like, wait a minute, this is uh, this is not from that. Why, why is this going down? Oh, God, not that hand, no, please. Um, we see we hear Avengers assemble. There's some talk of Spider-Man. Uh, you know, uh, we get little glimpses of alternating universes, which I think is pretty uh, interesting and cool. Mm -hmm. Um I spent a long time thinking that Avengers clip was from the uh, Avengers game, which I don't think is actually the case. I don't think it is either, <laughs> but I don't think there's any way to like com like completely say it wasn't, which is probably right. their point. So like like yeah, like at the time the the choices of Spider-Man and Avengers were quite interesting as Spider-Man and Avengers were the two other big Marvel games that had come out. Yeah. So like yeah. is it is it those worlds? Or is it just... Yeah, way to point those games out and also be like, yeah, but they have nothing to do with each other. Right. <laughs> By the way, right. they have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Um, so, yeah, they use this continuing cortex to get to this uh, Nova ship. Um, when they get to the ship, it's abandoned, and footage found shows the same pulsating energy ball that attacked the space whale attacking the Nova Corps. Before they can find out anything else, our heroes are confronted by Raker and UCT guards, uh, Universal Church of Truth, and eventually brought to their headquarters, the Sancto Sanct, which also serves as their temple. Mm -hmm. Raker continues to tell them that the matriarch can't wait to see them, even asking for Peter by name. He explains that they must freely accept the matriarch's promise and that no one is forced to do so. The matriarch, aka the divine vessel, will give them back those they have lost and unite them all in faith. He also mentions that the entirety of the temple is powered by faith energy. There's a little bit of talk of like what you call science, you know, all that, all that there, there. Um, but yeah, it's getting very culty very fast. That's one, one thing is clear. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and something's going on with with all these uh, Novacore people. What do you think about the design of that pulsating energy ball? Uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it's meant to be right. It's almost like yeah. Like, yes. Uh, I, I I I am bothered by things that are just so abstract. They are they are indefinable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that thing to meet Mister Nobody. You know. Oh God. <laughs> so. 
Raker alludes to the previous golden vessel who preceded the church. He was said to have unspeakable power, but from Raker's perspective, abandoned the cause, which is why Raker created the church. Mm-hmm. Our heroes let him talk, 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 long enough for a rocket to hack his drone. Raker <laughs> takes them to their leader, the matriarch, who appears to be a mind-controlled Nikki. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. At first, she seems in her right mind. What but was then she that, starts. Was that meme with like it's a, I think it's a squirrel that turns around. <laughs> yeah, and it keeps zooming in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she seems to be in her right mind, but then she starts talking about, yeah, you know, universal truth and faith, and I'm bring back the ones we lost. And Peter Quill's like, yeah, oh, damn it, like she's <laughs> she's captured. He tries to get through to her, but she's adamant that this is the way, and uses her powers to create a scenario where Peter can save his mom from that Chitauri invasion. This is another. I think, split, impo- split I think apart. it's important to note that um, at this point, right? Because uh, I don't think it's come up in the rundown. Mm-hmm. Peter Quill is convinced that Nikki is his. Is his daughter? The timeline yeah. lines up. He when he mentions it to Corral, him and Corral had a relationship. Yeah, that relationship when he mentions it, she doesn't. She doesn't deny it when he mentions it. She changes the subject to him being irresponsible. Yeah, um, which leads him to believe that that's perfectly the way to convince somebody. That. Yeah, it's like I didn't tell you about this because you were irresponsible. You didn't tell me about what that you had a kid or the kid's mine. You never get the answer <laughs> to that question. Um, so where are you sitting on this as you're as you're playing? Uh, do you like the idea of Nikki as the kid? Are you are you as convinced as he is? Uh, will you are you down for that story? Oh, I, I, I am at new? this point. I am absolutely playing the game like that. That that that's my. My daughter, and I need to say, yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> Nikki. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way for the game to have you get some emotional stakes early on. Yeah, you know, and um, and to be and to be directly tied into the idea that like, um, Star Lord is is a somewhat, uh, but I don't. I want to say he's not fully irresponsible but he's you know he he rides a line yes he does yeah and and and, and this is you as the character sort of like you know trying to to push him to being a better more responsible person because it's now that he has like this thing that he really cares about yeah and it's it seemingly weighs on him there's a scene earlier on where him where nikki and her mother are arguing and he sticks up for the kid you know, he yeah. he kind of like stands up and lies for her and creates an entire elaborate story, and um, she exhibits his rebellious uh, nature, his curiosity, even his uh, sense of humor. So you can't help but feel like there's some kind of, some kind of secret kinship there. Um, but yeah, uh, when he she takes him back to the farm to save his mom. This is another branching timeline thing because what i did was i hugged her but then when he was immediately like i don't know this doesn't feel right i broke the hug and shot her (laughs) um (laughs) the game showed me that if you don't break the hug you you just get put into another scene where you continue life living on the farm with her and the guardians are over for like dinner and everyone's just chilling and then uh you get sucked into the entity and then it reverts back to an, uh, another option for you to break free. Mm-hmm. Um, so you break free, you have to shoot your mom, which is like one of the darkest <laughs> parts of this game. So it here's a funny dark, thing. Damn. When the game had just come out, 
and I I'm I'm usually uh subscribed to a few gaming YouTube channels that do these cutscene things, right? Because sometimes I I just watch cutscenes for some of these games. Yeah. Um. It gets I I like I'm just going through like my subscription list, and I actually come across that scene, like. Because it's in the thumbnail, and I thought it had spoiled the end of the uh, game. Imagine, imagine because, the end. Holy so, hell. Because bringing back the mother is kind of like a big deal in a previous game. Yeah. Was that the Telltale? Or, yes. Yeah. So, like, I was like, oh no. And then when I got there, I was just like, oh, this is just the middle. My God. <laughs> Yeah, we're just killing the mom in the middle. So nothing to be worried about. Um, I don't remember if I got to the house. I think I did, but I don't remember. I feel a bit better knowing that I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy it. I, I shot, <laughs> I shot Mama Quill. Um, so when that doesn't work, so this is also like, I. There's two stories that this reminds me of that I am very fond of. One is House of M, right? Okay. You give everybody the world that they want the to happiest. live. No yeah. one will question what what it is. But also, Spider Man fans are still funny about that one to this day. Yeah. Ah, oh, that was <laughs> such a heartbreaking scene. But also, one of the greatest single issue comics in the history of the world, Superman Annual Number Eleven for the man who has everything. Right. Mm-hmm. You uh, a parasitic creature feeds you in your mind a simulation of a life that you think you deserve to have and it will just drain you dry so um i love that once this scenario doesn't work it's like okay no we're we're, we're going back to the drawing board so he wakes up again and he's on the milano mm-hmm. and he's woken up by nikki and nikki's like mom's birthday's coming up come on we gotta you know, bake the cake and all that other kind of stuff. So there's a cake and balloons. And you see Peter go through the motions, even though he's like, I don't know what the hell is going on right now. <laughs> uh, he even opens the door for Corel, but then Corel's spirit. Right? It's what I'll call it. Uh, uh, I'll say that. Her spirit comes out, pushes him against the wall and says, yo, nothing is what it seems. And almost shows him a vision of what actually happened. Uh, mm-hmm. That the shadow shadowy entity attacked her, was able to kill her and possess nikki and she says until nikki can come to grips with the death of her mom the shadow will never let her go yes uh peter snaps out of it and raker takes that as a betrayal to the promise and he transports nikki away the guardians do battle with the members of the church before they are able to barely escape as they do they see thousands of people being used as human batteries to power the temple they decide to leave and come back uh, for them when they have help but the others seem very shaken by the visions that uh, they saw as part of the promise. Who do you think took their vision the worst? <laughs> we don't uh, even know what Rocket's vision is, right? I don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah. I think I've, I, I, I would have imagined it was definitely Drax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. And I, I brought in my knowledge, right, of, of MCU Drax's family into this because they don't make it plain and clear um they let you know that they're dead and stuff like that but you don't really realize how much he's harboring you know they could have been mm-hmm. dead and he could have been at peace with it but no it's, it's something that he's carrying around i like um gamora gamora's beef is 
that she thinks that she should have been allowed to kill Raker when she had the chance. And therefore, a, a little girl would, wouldn't... She hates the fact that a little girl is being manipulated by a powerful older man hoping to control the galaxy, very similarly to I wonder Thanos, why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very similarly to how Thanos used her. And then there's um, Rocket's beef, which is that P- Quill doesn't care about the ship. Right? That's his... That's his big beef. It's like you don't care about the ship. You keep calling it your ship. You don't fix it. You don't do nothing to fix it. Whatever. Um, Rocket has a real bone to pick with Quill in this this game. It feels like mm-hmm. you know. There's uh, several conversations that need to happen before I feel like they're completely on the same uh, page. But several I like conversations that Rocket's they, not ready to have. They feel human because they're not getting along in this moment. They're scared. Yeah. They're upset. You know. Um, but also, Groot doesn't understand how money works, so it's okay. <laughs> no, no, I love that. He's like, I'm gonna, because uh, he said he'd up uh, rockets, rockets. He's gonna uh, up rockets pay, and we'll take it out of Groot's cut because he doesn't understand how money works. And then, and then Groot says, "I am Groot." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, what's what?" Which um, is one of those things where, like, now I really wish I understood what he said. Yeah, right. Is he upset? Is he just like, wait, I'm doing what? Yeah, what? Huh? Um. So they call Cosmo. They're like, yo, things are getting crazy out here. And he's like, well, don't come over here with that. Go to the world mind. <laughs> I know I said I was going to talk to the world mind. You go to the world mind because stuff is getting crazy over here. Um, and so they're like, okay, fine. They deal with some more lady hellbender assassins. They arrive to speak to the world mind. And the world mind's like, yeah, we're going to go. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're leaving. Uh, that thing's unstoppable. It's already taken over 75% of the Andromeda galaxy. So we are going to leave. So Peter like just scolds them for being cowards. But the world mind's like, listen, there's only one guy that can stop him. This guy named Adam Warlock. That guy's dead. So without him, ain't nobody stopping this. And basically they came to the conclusion that their best course of action was to leave to preserve whatever's left of Xandarian culture. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think of, the, of, the, of <laughs> that very brave stance? Uh, <laughs> I think it does a lot of good to help you be even more on the guardian side. Yeah. Because right? even, even this entity that's supposed to help is like, the odds are too great. And our little ragtag group's like, what do you mean? <laughs> We're gonna... it, 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 it's definitely telling you something about like, I guess, uh, like, I don't know if you'd call the... I don't know how, like, cowardly you would refer to it, but, like, the the world mind is being pragmatic and mathematical. And it's just like, yeah, um... Yeah, this ain't gonna work. We're gonna go figure something yeah. out. <laughs> I think that... Um, mind you, these are all the very important decisions in the game, because they are going to shape how the game kind of ends. Yes, yes. Um, which I can only go off of this version because I can't actually remember what choice I made in the first one, to be honest. I feel like I talked shit to, to the to yeah. I mind. So you count. They, they, there are a lot of points in this game that sort of act as what um, some games call loyalty missions. Yes. And now, I will don't... remember that kind of... <laughs> Yes, and they don't like they don't point out what is a loyalty mission and what is it. You just gotta make the right choices. But that's what's endearing to me because then they make it seem like every choice is, is you you don't know, right? So every choice yeah. could be make or break. Every choice could be a diverging timeline. 
Um, so yeah. it really makes you uh, care about the choices that you make. So like, um, there's 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 somebody who could help you, but if you were an asshole, you, you, yeah, they were. Yeah, they remember. You might that. not get it. They see that more and more people around the galaxy are accepting the promise and flocking towards the Sancto Sanct. The Guardians escape as far as they can, and tensions run wild as they consider their next option. Like, everyone is now yelling, arguing, top of their lungs. So Peter has to yell at them, and he puts several of them in their place before taking a nap to ease his nerves. He's like, ah, it's just a nap, I'll be fine. When he wakes up, He's awakened by Drax, similar to how the game started. But Drax is espousing some very <laughs> weird stuff about church and mm-hmm. faith and matriarchs. And his eyes glow purple. The telltale sign that he has been uh, possessed by the shadow entity. Um, so he's like, yo, did you accept the promise? And Peter's like, uh, uh, uh. And he goes, because I'm ready to kill all the other guys because they may have not accepted it. And he's like, no, chill. And he just kind of like humble, like that wasn't. He humors him, not humbles him. He humors yeah. him. He's like, "Yeah, buddy, we'll go wherever you want to go. Let, yeah, let's go see that promise." And um, they arrive on a weird planet. And Drax among, among one, many, among many, Drax accosts one of its citizens, asking for the matriarch. Suddenly, Mantis appears, subdues Drax, but she's still talking in riddles. Uh, yeah. She's not making any sense. Uh, she rides his back as he's in a trance, and he leads them into a cave, and she explains After that... After several jumping spin kicks. Yes. <laughs> she explains that she brought him here because her precognition told her that in many futures, he's the one to succumb to the promise and kill all the others. Uh, she chose this planet because at this planet, there's something that can help heal his trauma. Um, mm. Rocket gets tired of riddles, but Peter reminds him how far they've come and gives him another pep talk. Talking about how further they're willing to go for one of one that they care about, he explains that basically they had a very thin, <laughs> a thin tie as friends, mostly being money, but showing right. that it's it's become much more than that, which I thought was a pretty cool thing to point out. Um, they finally find what Mantis was looking for and are shocked to meet a disheveled Adam Warlock. Mantis believes that Warlock, being the source of the power uh, that Raker is manipulating, can be used to reverse the effects of the Matriarch. What did you think of this design for Adam Warlock? And what do you think of, as I, they call him, the Shakespearean Adam Warlock? Oh my god, the fucking rhyming. Um, you remember that? That alliteration? That, that, yeah, I guess that's more, that's more what it is, right? That, it, that was tough. I a lot. cannot imagine writing that. Right. It, like I, every it, single time. Like I need I need seven letters that begin with F. <laughs> seven words, excuse me, that begin with F. That makes sense in a sentence. Damn it. I love that at one point, like Peter's talking to him and he does an alliteration. He goes, damn it, I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's downright he's downright annoyed um so okay warlock 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 i like the beard i like the jesus the jesus look of him initially that um, makes sense g- given the way he's portrayed in the game with his relationship with the uh, church of truth guys yeah um she transports the team's consciousness mantis Is does he supposed to be golden um warlock yes yeah yeah in every iteration he's a man of gold i don't know why it's just it's just a thing um and i can't help but 
believe that there's going to be a bit of this and a bit of Infinity War in, you know, the book, sorry, Infinity Gauntlet in um, this Guardians film, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, um, yeah, they go inside of Drax's mind. They do battle with a fake Thanos. Um, Eventually, it all comes down to them finding Drax basically playing with and choosing to be with his deceased family. Mm-hmm. After a tearful scene, Peter manages to convince Drax to put this reality behind him once and for all. Um, and Drax realizes that he isn't alone and that the Guardians of the Galaxy are his family. It's, it was very hard uh, to hear somebody who's us- who is very direct in his language mm-hmm. be so direct about his loneliness and his sadness. And right. his unwillingness to live, basically, is what he says in, in very short words, right? Like, what, what will you have me do if I'm not going to go with them? You know, like, it's like, what is yeah. life? What is, and I'm like, damn, Drax, like, what you doing to me, bro? He's like, yeah. you're not Shakespeare, but he says, he says exactly what he feels. It, it, was, it was a bit heart-wrenching there. Uh, there's a few versions of him, right, that seem to be like, a, a guy who is so consumed by the vengeance that he doesn't know what life is after it. Yes. Or like, so you get you get two different versions of him, which is someone who has gotten his vengeance and doesn't know what to do, or someone who is denied that vengeance and is once again like purposeless. Yeah, I tend to think of the scene where he calls Ronan when he's drunk. You know. <laughs> And the idea is that if he Come beats and fight me, motherfucker. Yeah, and the idea is that if he beats Ronan in this fight, then he gets a semblance of his revenge. And if he doesn't, he gets to see his family again. Right. Like what a it's what a, a win win scenario. Up, yeah, what a jacked up Yeah, man. Suicide by Cree. What, what are we doing out here? You know what I'm saying? This is this is bonkers, bro. Um and so it's even heartbreaking here because we can hear his family. This 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 facsimile family, right? That's yeah. that's calling out to him, Daddy. But 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 my love, why why are you rejecting us? He, I think he has to stab them, don't he? Like he has to, I think he stabs them or or, I or think so, some kind is... of yeah. It's like it, it's not only walking away from them; he has to like hurt this entity. Yeah. Um. That's what I thought was worse. Was like, you know, Peter's giving the the, the pep talk, and I'm like, okay, he's gonna turn. He's gonna, you know. He'll do the big gulp. He'll turn away from his family. He'll walk away. But instead, he turns and walks towards his family. I'm like, what's he about to do? And he says goodbye. And I'm like, oh, Drax, what are you doing to me, bro? And then he stabs them. And they dissipate. And they kind of turn into the shadowy entity. And then that shadowy entity kind of starts to resemble Adam Warlock. (laughs) And I go, hmm. (laughs) Because, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Warlock. Is the Titanic? There's only <laughs> one story. There's only one story you tell with this man. Same thing with Sentry. Uh, I was gonna say, that? isn't this a, isn't this a lot like the Sentry? Same thing. With, it's exactly like the Sentry. Like I, 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 it's funny to me that they just waited enough time to just tell it again with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, the shoe that always drops with Adam Warlock is that there is a dark sinister uh part of him so, so sometimes it comes from the soul stone sometimes it doesn't and that being is called magus and he wants to control and end the world and on it's occasion literally he, a 
to, to pardon the uh, 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 topical pun, a dark mirror. <laughs> yeah. It, it's also a parasitic en- uh, entity in, in the sense that it needs to absorb, take, destroy yeah. um, all, all things. And I possibly the most, um, you know, possibly the showcase of how, how absolutely ridiculous this character is, is the afro that he had initially when he first uh. <laughs> when he first showed up. Because, <laughs> uh, wow, that afro, bro. Opposite in every way. <laughs> So, um, the the two lock arms, Evil Adam and Regular Adam, and everything turns white. When the dust settles, the Guardians are okay. They're out of the cave. When asked why the shadowy entity kind of looked like you, bro, because I love that Peter Quill's like, hey, get back over here. <laughs> he's like, he's like, why does that thing look like you? And he's like, because it is me. And then he walks away. He goes, no, 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 wait, hold on. That's <laughs> not explain enough. that. <laughs> explain that real quick. So he says, one day... Uh, Adam came across Raker and his crew who had come across a plague. Adam agreed to help them and healed them with his powers. And all of a sudden he started getting followers because they believed that he was some kind of deity. Unfortunately, the darkness within the soul stone that's in his head grew, uh, that would become Magus grew within Adam, urging him to destroy all creation and feed on Raker's crew. However, Adam knew that he had to remove the stone. He asked Raker to remove it. And Raker's totally like, oh, uh, all powerful Celestial gem is in your head. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that off your hands. So, uh, which I do he, love that. Like in the beginning of the game, it's just this thing. Yeah, that falls. Yeah, it's just a rock. It's just like a you know. He's like, oh, it, it, yeah. You're I just grabbed a stone. it. It hurt. Ew, what the fuck was that? And then, but, yeah, now we know that it's the so actually the soul stone, and so uh, Riker. We're just stumbling across cosmic <laughs> super rocks bro but like I, I i honestly love when that happens i remember i was reading i want to say this is some some like diehard comic fans are gonna absolutely kill me for saying this but i was reading mm. the sam alexander nova i want to oh, say yeah. and i think yogi's going to kill you for reading that it, it it's, not, it's not only that but like it he ends up somewhere where he's fighting this other entity and he pulls out the ultimate nullifier because it's around or whatever. Okay. Right? And that's the first time I've ever seen it. It's like this little right. cell phone thing that he's pointing and everyone's like, oh my God. And everyone's bugging out about it and he never has to push a button and it never ends up happening. Then I do my deep dive as I get into comic books and I realize the ultimate nullifier has been around since basically the Fantastic Four. You know, yes. other people have used it. It's been, a, it's been like a plot point to grab it. You know, so I love when when someone who's not as versed in universe, you know, just stumbles across something that other people would be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I, I, I think that's so cool. Um, yeah, then in this case, it's the stone. Um, so Riker took the stone from him, took its powers to harness to establish the church and conquer the galaxy. Um, Quill then tries to tell them, "Yo, Corel showed me Magus killing Corel." Um, and grabbing Nikki. So Adam's like, yo, if you don't break the bond between Nikki and Magus, then Magus will consume the galaxy. He uses the bond to feed. So you have to find Nikki, convince her to let go of her dead mom, and then defeat Magus. You know, uh, mm-hmm. thing is, if Magus has a strong enough hold on her, the severance could kill Nikki. So right. they're, they're, they're putting this, they're putting a hell of a position here. Um, 
It is then revealed that the church has control over the con continuum cortex, giving them additional realities and worlds to now conquer. Mantis sees our heroes off, saying she will stay uh, with the people of this world, but warns that she will return when it's time. Warlock is restless on the ship, scared of the tragedy that Magus might unleash. Peter gives him a pep talk, and Warlock swears allegiance to the Guardians. Mm -hmm. He also does a bunch of alliteration. <laughs> uh, they agree to fly to the newly converted nowhere to stop the universal church from using nowhere's teleportation device to convert the whole galaxy in just one ritual they successfully sabotage the device but adam warlock is captured by raker as nikki returns to the sancto sanct to restart the ritual there the guardians try to give chase but the sancto sanct is now guarded by the biggest fleet assembled since the galactic war mm. uh it would be is this war the war that they reference in the comics like the big the galactic Kree war Kree Skull war or the annihilus war wave or it might be because they allude to drax killing uh, thanos and i feel like that happened in that story i have no idea i yogi's the better historian when it comes to this stuff i i do not know what story in which Drax actually does the deed. I seen him kill Thanos. Thanos was in prison. Um, but we will double check with Yogi. Yogi, stop everything you're doing yeah. right now. And uh, write to us and tell us what's going on. Um, it would be madness to dare to, to attack them with this many uh, starships around them. Good thing that our heroes are quite mad. They figure the only way they can do this is with some help. So our guardians embark on an all-or-nothing plan to win. He says Lady it's annihilation. Hulk. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah, the hey. yeah. Thanks, Yogi. Thank you for hearing us telepathically. <laughs> uh, uh, so they decide that they're going to capture Fing Fang Foom and sell him to the Monster Queen. How'd you feel about our boy? The, the the dragon with the biggest pair of pants in the galaxy <laughs> uh, showing up Bing, bang, boom. that's all i used to do i play lego lego marvel and turn into fing fang boom and go fing as i grew <laughs> it was so dumb but it gave me so much joy how do you feel about old fing fang boom showing up in this piece that was hilarious it, 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 it was one of those things that was just like um it, it's one of the cleanest setup payoffs in the game. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. It comes up several times and then like, well, now you're getting it. We're going after Big Fangfoom. Yeah, yeah. And I guess he is more of a galaxy. He's a space dragon. Yes. Like, he ends up on our planet and stuff, but he's of another species. Yeah. Um. So yeah, super great to see Fing Fang Foom. I'm I'm a big fan of his in general. Like put him in everything if you can. Like <laughs> it's, like why not? He's a space dragon. It's uh, so freaking cool. Um, through hard work and teamwork, hardship and teamwork, they managed to capture Fing Fang Foom to sell to the Monster Queen in hopes of her army of space whales can help defeat the Church's space fleet. Uh, it works, and they have them as their cavalry. With Lady Hellbender's army on their side, the Guardians smash through the church's fleet and storm through the Sanctosanct, a sacrosanct. After battling through dozens of robots and possessed cultists, the Guardians free Adam from his captivity and rush to stop Nikki's ritual. Mm. 
The Guardians arrive just before the ritual begins, but are single-handedly defeated by Raker's magic. As he restrains them, Nikki fully gives herself to the Magus as it expands across the galaxy like a cosmic mold. That's a... Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hopeless, the Guardians are only saved because Peter hears Corel's voice calling out to him, bringing him into Nikki's vision of the promise. Inside her head, Peter does her his best to destroy her fantasy family life convince her that she isn't his daughter and that Corel is well and truly dead mm -hmm. nikki admits her promise is false but can't bring herself to live in a world without her mom peter comforts her and tells her how he dealt with the grief of losing his mother by a little gesture like lighting a candle to remember her by again very very sweet moments i know i'm doing a, a recap but this is, this is all very cute when it happens if yeah. it doesn't come across in my reading <laughs> uh that's just enough to convince Nikki to reject the Magus, ending the ritual before the Magus can totally take control. Furious, fools, the Grand Unifier battles the Guardians. Uh, but he's ultimately killed by Adam Warlock, who absorbs the Magus into himself and liberates all those in the galaxy enslaved by the promise. Wild. I also think it's incredibly insidious to enslave an entire galaxy simply based off the agreement that you will bring their dead relatives back but that's literally how we got darth vader so i think ah. that, i think it, it tracks <laughs> you know it's ridiculous when i think it tracks um having defeated the universal church of truth the five guardians adam warlock and nikki board the milano and ride off into the next adventure right before they do that though they do a pretty sick walking scene <laughs> Of them walking and being congratulated and waving their hands. It's like a badass walking scene. Set, set to some pretty cool music. And we get credits. The end. The game is over. We've done it. Until Adam Warlock starts to feel sick. Mm -hmm. And again. I've seen this iceberg before. <laughs> I know what happens to the <laughs> ship. That sickness is revealed to be the entity Magus. Who takes control over Warlock and threatens to destroy the galaxy? But impossible. I, I, it was cute because like the credits are like infected. Yeah, they start getting they start getting uh, infected by that shadowy uh, pulsation. Um, in the probably the most James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy esque ending, they just taunt the shit out of him <laughs> until they just call him names, <laughs> make fun of his alliteration, <laughs> make fun of his his appearance. All of it. They just call him names until he gets taunted so badly that he charged he, all of Magus. The entire like uh, thing gets charged into the Soul Stone, which Peter is holding. Um, I thought real quick that Rocket was alluding to him grabbing the Power Stone, not remembering that he had grabbed this stone previously and said that it hurt. He's like, it's just going to yeah. hurt you like when you grabbed the last time. I was like, the Power Stone. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> given, the, given the rest of what we know. Um... But yeah, he grabs a stone. So canonical. Peter Quill grabbing gems out here. Um, Peter is badly damaged in the aftermath. Using some healing spores, Groot brings Peter back to life from near death. And he is surrounded by his teammates and Nikki and Mantis. <laughs> they argue over what to do with the soul stone. But Warlock says because he created, created it, he has to keep it. Mantis literally figures the chances of Magus returning are higher if the Guardians have the stone. <laughs> so they give it to Warlock, who promises to keep it safe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also 
alluded that if they sold it, it'd be even worse chances that <laughs> Magus would return. Yes. He shakes hands with Peter and calls him a friend whilst apologizing. Uh, he asks his forgiveness, but Peter says, that's not up to me, and brings out the space llama to, to get forgiveness. <laughs> and the llama licks him in approval. We fade to black and end the story with Star-Lord reflecting on bringing Nikki on as a guardian. He assures himself that he will be fine and that he and he is summoned by Drax, who tells him that they all voted and Nikki is sleeping in his room and he gets to sleep on the couch. And that's how <laughs> and that's how this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant story ends. Incredible incredible characterization. I re- you really this I really felt lived in with this series. So the reason why I put it on the schedule, I was very happy to return to it. How do you feel? having seen it as somebody who went through it and then watching as a spectator? Uh, I'm reminded of just a lot of the little things I love, right? Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I love all the cockpit scenes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, them all just like looking at each other and, sit and just bantering about what they're trying to figure out whether that's to hide the freaking llama or the, the, the illegal tech. <laughs> and Drax being like very blunt about like, I... I couldn't fit that thing you wanted me to hide, so I now have this stuff. Yeah, I will really, space really the llama. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, um, yeah, all all the cockpit scenes are great. There were some, some very interesting moments, which will, by the way, mess with your game a little bit if you're like kind of immersing in the different costumes you're wearing. Um, oh, yeah. Where they sort of they actually dress down all the characters. Yes. So like like you don't spend the entire game with uh Gamora in like her battle suit like a okay, she just has a tank top right. and just like this, this is us just on chilling like on her the PJs. Ship. Yeah, 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 like her PJs, yeah. So like you get a lot of like there's a lot of casual energy and you're not trying to express that energy with all of them in their full comic book uh regalia. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh the only people who can't really look any different are Drax cuz he doesn't even bother to wear a shirt. And right. rocket because that's the only thing he can wear. <laughs> His little jumpsuit. <laughs> but like, but uh, you know, you see Star Lord and Gamora both sort of relax their outfits. Yeah. For different scenarios, which is like lends to the air of the scenes. Like I said, it feels more lived in. It feels more like yeah. they they do something. They do like the game exists even when you turn it off. Like they have different clothes and all this other kind of stuff. Um. I really want to just talk about the mechanics real quick. I really like the teamwork aspect of this, where you can point your me- your team members at different um, different enemies, create chain attacks if you wanted to. You can use them and their different skills to pass through obstacles or solve puzzles. Um, I really like that you control Star Lord, but you also are the point man for the rest of the team, and so you're able to. I was going to ask you: Were you disappointed about only being Star Lord? I think initially I was until I realized how much of a like it would have been a lot to be everybody else I think I think having Star-Lord as your protagonist outright makes the story easier to follow Um, yes but you also get the fun of not only um you know leveling up your other characters but like you were saying before you get them other suits you unlock their specials so even though you're only playing as star lord i'm very much invested in gamora's upgrades and yeah. <laughs> drax's outfit and you know getting through his special and stuff like that um i like a lot of those mega attacks <laughs> like the, the big big stuff <laughs> you know i yes. like the rocket boots i like the guns 
Um, it was it was difficult, but not difficult in a way that didn't make me want to play it anymore. <laughs> um, I think it's just incredibly enjoyable. Uh, it could have just been a run and gun, and they found a way to bring heart, humor, and spectacle into this, which is what got the first Guardians uh, off the ground. So before we end this episode, I actually wanted to ask you about Guardians Volume 3. What Do you have much expectations for it? Is this uh, a film you're looking forward to? Is this an opening weekend film? What are your thoughts about this uh, closing chapter for James Gunn's version of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I guess you could say opening weekend. I'm, I'm going to see it on the, the Tuesday after it releases. That's just a, a matter of schedule constraints. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't I don't get to do midnight releases anymore because your boy works uh, eleven to seven. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm very excited for it. I, I I I it's one of those things where like I'm very excited to see it. I have every bit of confidence that it's going to be great. I mm-hmm. I know that there's not the happiest ending coming. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, because uh, because you know it's an ending, and that's not always like it's 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 weird to get a happy ending out of that. I think so. yeah, um, I think so. The trailers are not helping. <laughs> I feel like, um, I like I I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but I think the Guardians are probably the people I'm most emotionally attached to besides Cap. Okay. Obviously, Thor, Iron Man, you know the OGs, right? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. There was something about that initial hooked on a feeling scene. You know, if you didn't fall in love with all that this franchise became from that moment, like it, it will win you over the more and more you got into that first film. That 2004 I'm probably film, more partial to the Mr. Oh, Blue Sky in the second movie. Yeah. Yeah. With I feel like same vibe. Fighting the, the alien while little uh, baby Groot stands. <laughs> And it's they both have, they all get to have different quasi maternal moments with the group. Yes, where they got him. Hey, don't, don't do that. Move him out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, Gamora um, just sort of says hi, and it's like one of the few genuinely like, oh, yeah, happy she says hi back. Yeah. Things <laughs> yeah. she ever does. Yeah. It's one of the few vulnerable moments Gamora has as she's just saying hi to a child. That's, um, that 20. 20- 14 film, the very first film, is oh. easily in my top five greatest MCU films. Um, okay. In my opinion, I just, I got everything I wanted from it. I think specifically of, I mean, and if you want to tie it to this, right? The video game. There are a few moments as heartfelt as the take my hand, Peter moment. Sure. In the MCU. And if you marry that to the moment that that's the Guardians, the first time the Guardians held hands in unison to to basically save Peter, who he's already grabbed his stone, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Bro, so, so great. So great. Um, I think of Rocket. Quill, you can't do that. You'll die. You know, don't give her your helmet. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, And him making that choice. And freezing over, kind of, right? Like his face starts to fucking freeze over before uh, he's saved by the Ravagers. Um, and then all that too entails, you know, the Cat Stevens of it all, <laughs> and and uh, mm-hmm. the Ravager funeral and all that. Like I am 
in the bag with these characters that I'm I am incredibly interested in this uh, sequel. I think but I'm I, in the minority of thinking the second one is better. I I have my qualms about the second one because I thought I knew what the second one should have been, and it okay. wasn't until I was able to watch it for what it was that I realized how absolutely beautiful it is. But initially, yeah. it was one of the last steps off of the Infinity War train. Oh, okay. So I'm looking at it as a progression of that story, and it doesn't you really can't do see anything. The forest for the trees, there, man. No, it doesn't do anything to for that. Uh, if I'm thinking, if I'm like thinking really hard about it now, it does nothing. No, to, not a, no, not at all. To oh, set up for it that. is in, it is in uh sort of an unwitting like uh step in that direction, but like they have no clue. Right. Right, and maybe if it would have came out closer to one without me knowing where they were going with the Infinity War, it would have been different. But it, honestly, yeah. like it, it was a, it was a, I didn't hate it, but it was just like that was good, but it just fit, didn't feel like it fit. Watch it by when you watch it by yourself now, it's amazing. If you watch them two, is like a bit of a marathon. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I think two's score is better. Um, it's more obscure, but I think it, that makes it weirdly better in a way. Maybe. Uh, um. They feel like the songs resonate more because they're not just needle drops. They're needle drops. They're thematic needle drops. Sure. Um, the the sets are absolutely gorgeous. Like Eagle's Planet as they're going through it and all that kind of stuff. Really, really gorgeous stuff. Um, and then dealing with the, the whole Yandu being the father thing. So um, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be emotional to put these uh, Guardians to bed. But in the same yeah. sense, I've also been... Bro, up and down with my expectations of comic book movies, movies lately. Now, to be fair, <laughs> the last two I saw, uh, I heard were, about this. Were Shazam and, and Black Adam. And yeah. Besides, uh, what did we just watch? What MCU film just came out? Um, Ant Man. Ant Man. Yeah, but I guess that's in a cloud of legal, <laughs> legal stuff in my mind, so I pushed it out. You know, um, it's in the cloud. Yeah, so I I'm going to do my best to like keep my my um expectations kind of low. But even when I did that for the holiday special, the holiday special had moments where I'm like I'm choking up. Like the holiday special had moments of of heart, and they get way more points from me because I already love these guys. So they could yeah. be playing tag. You understand? Know they don't have to do a lot of work <laughs> in this film. Just don't mess it up, <laughs> please. For the love of God. I think at some point, man, you just um I think you just trust the uh the law of averages there, and the law of averages is that James Gunn does good work. Yeah. Which are you seeing all this outrage about like he's gonna make this funny, he's gonna make that funny. What are you No. He knows his he picks and chooses his lanes, in my opinion. I don't think he'd use the Guardian Stroke with any, anyone. You know? I mean, I, 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 I'll be the first to admit, like, I had my concerns about the idea of, of a James Gunn-led Superman based on what I know. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for a Superman movie with a bunch of uh, uh, licensed songs. Ne- needle drops. Yeah. 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 I can see that. But uh, I mean, maybe that's like the, the coat of paint. I just hope. I hope it's like you said. I hope it's Goldfinger. I hope it's three three doors ah! down Kryptonite. I hope it's. You know, oh God, no! Stop. They might have to stop at the Eminem uh, Superman song. I think that might be the one that they do. They don't do for this film. Well, then we like then we have to do three doors down, and then we have to do um the crash test dummies. 
We gotta do and every is it Coldplay bass song ever. Which is the I don't think I'm so. not afraid to fly. Oh, that's five for fighting. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring them in. <laughs> yeah. I'm more than yeah. a bird. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. That concerns me. But like, I can, I can, I can hope that he just kind of sees it differently. I don't know. That's that's super interesting. Um, the that's rumor is, <laughs> the rumor is that well, we already been told for like two years that Zoe Saldana and Drax are out. Yes. Um, there are also rumors that uh, Rocket might not make it past this film. So this is a two part mm-hmm. question. Question number one. If you think someone dies, who does? <laughs> Question number two. Are you down to follow a new set of Guardians in the future? Or do you think that this franchise is best served uh, bookending uh, its trilogy? I think that the idea of the Guardians of the Galaxy can endure as a ancillary idea more than its own film. Like Avengers? Um, in a sense, like just the idea of them, you don't necessarily have to have a Guardians four, but the but a version right. of the Guardians can show up in yes the Marvels or whatever. Yes. Okay. I think I think what's left of that team can pop up in other uh cosmic movies. I don't think you can sell another Guardians of the Galaxy movie without those principal players. Okay. Who's that? Um. Um, so the obvious ones tell me that it's not which who's getting the who's got the Superman cover in the the trailer Uh, uh, I would say that the person that looks like they're going to die the most in the trailer is Rocket which makes me say no okay Gunn has also said that Rocket is the secret protagonist to this trilogy as well. Like, while Peter is the front-facing protagonist, he has given equal thought and writing to Rocket's arc journey from the beginning. Yeah, Uh, from from the beginning through here. Yeah, I know. Is is now is that because his brother plays him? I don't know. That's a whole. (laughs) That's a whole other. Are we going at Are we going at the hardcore of it all? For his wife, uh, maybe. Um, no, I was laughing about that. It was like he's putting hardcore and everything. He's way putting his wife and everything. He's been putting his brother in shit like ten years before any of this ever happened. Yeah, I guess they just want her to do mocap. That's what. It is. I guess. That's what it is. Um, I I got something to tell you all about those Adam Sandler films. Gang, gang. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, you know, mm. who is it that has like the who's getting the drapery in the in the trailer? I know it's a human. That's why I call it like the Superman cover, right? Or, or oh, the... no, it's um, it's yeah, it's uh, Star Lord. Uh, Nebula's holding. I mean, no, sorry, yeah, Nebula's holding Peter. He's holding Star Lord. Right. Um, they're all in prison which jumpsuits. Think, which makes me go, okay, so it's not Peter because like, like you wouldn't put that in the trailer, right? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Is Peter the linchpin to a future Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, do we keep Pratt, him as a lead? I mean, like, on the team. Like, does who is there a member of this team that needs to be on the team for them to be the Guardians? Do they all die, and would you be cool with, like, a with like a just-in-name-only Guardians? 
Would you want to see Groot on every iteration of the team? Rocket on every iteration of the team? Does Mantis have to be around? That's a tough one. Um, because I think the problem is that the Guardians of the Galaxy is almost... Uh, uh, God. I, it's... It's tough, right? Guns N' Roses seems to see some Guns N' Roses with the one guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. But is that to say that but, all that they've done is all because of him? No. It's obviously because of the, the combined effort. But we followed Quill as our protagonist, which is why I understand what you're saying about, like, we don't need a four if we're not going to follow, continue that story. They can exist yeah. as an entity in and of itself in a lived-in universe. Yes. We don't necessarily need to have them. Um, I, I I don't I don't think another movie sells without any of those guys. I think I think anyone looks at it and just goes like, "Well, this isn't the thing. <laughs> this yeah. isn't the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? It's it's just another team." And that that really works in anything. Would a Quill death surprise you? Yes. Anger you? No. Is there anything that could anger you in this film? Uh, I guess mine would be time travel. Like if for some weird. <laughs> For some weird reason, if it all ends with like Peter back with his mom or some kind of weird stuff like that, I'd be like, "Get, get out of here! You gave me all that to bring me right back to the to the middle, go right back I to think, the beginning." I think I think the only version of that I've ever been willing to accept was 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 uh Steve, and that was shaky. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you got to do a lot of good. You got to do a hundred years of goodwill. That's a lot of goodwill. Yeah, you got to do a hundred years of goodwill before we set your ass back to go deal with that kind of stuff. But man, I can't wait to, I mean, literally the next time you hear us, we will have seen the film. This is our last podcast pre the end of the Guardians trilogy. So I can't wait Whoa. to say goodbye, <laughs> yeah, man, to our ragtag group of, uh, of space outlaws, uh, uh, writers with no name, as some people call them. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we're going to continue what we do each and every week, regardless if there's Guardians or there is not. The Major Issues podcast will continue doing what we do, which is put out episodes every single Wednesday, knock on Vibranium. We do <laughs> this via comicbookclick.com, which means every single episode of the Major Issues podcast is available at comicbookclick.com, which if I'm not mistaken is at 280 episodes right now which means there's over 560 hours of me just rambling on my goal is that you can put all these podcast episodes into a robot and so when i'm gone oh my god <laughs> when i'm gone uh 80 years from now there could still be robo don doing the podcast and you could be like what did you think of man of steel and I'm like, beep, 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 screw john kent and then oh you're god. like yeah <laughs> accurate completely accurate so as someone who just finished Battlestar Galactica and went through four seasons of Evil Robot. <laughs> I hope. I really hope not. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There's no Evil Robot done. But um, the only way oh to find out is to make sure that you're subscribed to the Major Issues Podcast. You and Evil Robot Santa. There you go. I love Evil Robot Santa. I even like the Robot Devil. That's a whole other thing. Naughty. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, we're the. Matrix's podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast App, TuneFind, Spotify, YouTube, and more. We even drop on our official Facebook.com slash comic book click. You can go to Instagram at comic book click or use, use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We need your help. If you want to donate, you can consider being a Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. 
Our starting tier is $3 a month. That's less than 10 cents a day. Uh, and you can help us keep our lights on here and afford the hardware and the software we need to continue providing content for you guys. Those lights are some, important. I lose things. Yeah, we got some video essays and stuff coming up uh, that I want to tackle. But that means having more equipment. That means having more time. And sometimes that means having more money. So if you can donate by becoming a Patreon, we'd love that. If not, you can buy merchandise at our T Public store by hitting our, uh, by going to comboclick.com and hitting that shop CBC button. It will take you to our T Public store, and we get a kickback from anything purchased there. It doesn't have to be a shirt. You could buy a phone case. You could buy a pillow. Uh, you can buy a uh, uh, pillowcase. I just said that a laptop case, um, and we get a kickback from all that. But if you can't give us any money, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. It helps us get into the um, rankings when people are looking for someone talking about this kind of stuff. So if you can give us a five-star review, if you can rank us on iTunes, rate and review us on iTunes, uh, it's the quickest way for us to grow our fan base. I've been to the future where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't tell you how we do it because if I do, then I end up breaking the timeline and Star-Lord is played by Dwayne Johnson. And that's something that nobody wants. Trust me. You, you don't want a whole uh, uh, entire film with Kanye music, uh, especially after what he's done. So make sure that you but are... But also just the idea of, of Star-Lord being that badass that, kind of And he, huge and like, you know, with uh, daddy issues. <laughs> I just put it all together. But yeah, man, follow us wherever uh, you can. Um, our links are all going to be in the show notes in the description of this episode. But GT, where can they find you? Uh, they can if, find you want to, if you want to be found, I guess is what the, it's what I should have said. The with. only other place that can really be found these days is on Dirt Sheet Radio with John Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi, talking about uh, the latest and greatest and sometimes the worst in pro wrestling. Yes, yes. They can yes. come in they can come in the same box sometimes. And even though Dirty Radio is a worldwide phenomenon and most recently has become a bit of a national treasure. That's all I'm gonna say on oh, no. that by the time that this Sorry. episode by the time this episode comes out, you will have already known what I'm talking about. And if you don't go to Facebook.com slash dirt sheet radio as those guys tackle all that it comes to when it comes to professional wrestling but uh that's gonna be all for this episode i can't wait to talk to you guys next week about guardians of the galaxy volume three but my name is george serrano aka the don i'm gregory thomas aka gt rebirth and this has been our guardians of the galaxy game recap and review and remember whether you're a sentient tree the most dangerous woman on the galaxy a destroyer a monster queen a florkin a space outlaw or a talking raccoon remember that we're stronger together. Remember, we are the clique. And always remember that you, yes, you, are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>